You're listening to Dirty Feet, a dance podcast. I'm Allison Burns. I'm recording out of the School of Dance here in Ottawa, Ontario, and I'm going to be speaking with a dancer, a professional dancer here in the city who I've met through classes at the School of Dance here as we're doing some um, summer intensive work. So uh, I'm going to introduce you to Amanda Bond. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Thank you for having me. And Amanda, you're a local. You're an Ottawa-based dancer. I am. And you are multi-talented. You also have a background in music. It's true. Tell us a little bit about that part of your career. Yeah, sure, I can. Um, So, well, it's, they're actually intimately related because when I finished my dance training uh, here at the School of Dance back in 2005, I was struggling with a whole list of injuries and um, various problems with my body which meant that I couldn't um, go out and and audition and get work as a dancer at the time. Um, And I'm just, I'm just somebody who, like I pretty much don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing something creative. So yeah, I had to turn my creative energies somewhere. And that's when I started writing songs. And um, I spent a few years sort of doing that, just working on my own, and then eventually uh, set out to record some of those songs and found myself a band, put a band together with uh, some local guys. And uh, yeah, we recorded a CD, the first one in 2010, or maybe 11. I think the recording was 2010 and the release was in 2011. And a couple years later, we did a second one all original material. So I was the songwriter and uh, I played rhythm guitar in the band. And um, yeah, we were sort of a a country, folky, bluegrassy type band. Lots of uh, harmony, three-part harmony, mandolin, upright bass, pedal steel. Um, So it was really fun. And I'm, I'm speaking in the past tense about it, although it's not as if the band doesn't exist anymore. It's just that now my body is better. I've managed to heal myself over um, over the past several years and so I can focus a little bit more on dance again. And also since 2010 you've been involved with Tara Luz which is a dance company. In this Orlando. is true. And I definitely want to get into all of that because I'm very excited about that company and what that company does. Um, but before we get there perhaps you can you can let us know um, what else you've done in terms of dance. You mentioned that you studied at the School of Dance which is a pre-professional program here in the city. Yep. And uh, what uh, what happened in between perhaps your schooling and your injury, or was there... Mm-hmm. Well, I was injured coming out of the program. Okay. Um, so that's when I started doing a lot of Pilates and uh, for my own rehab. And um, through that, ended up doing my teacher training and becoming a teacher. And um, then a couple years later, I think it was in 2007, I got my first professional contract, and that was with an independent choreographer in town by the name of Caroline Barrière. And I was still struggling with a few a few issues in my body, but she was willing to work around them, which was just so wonderful for me. And uh, so, so, yeah, I guess I did probably... Probably three or four independent um, contracts with her over the years. And then 
eventually started up with Tara Luz. Um, I also worked with Sylvie de Rosier here um, at, at, well, not at the School of Dance, but she, she directs the program at the School of Dance. And she had not yet established her company, which is now called Dorsal Dance, but uh, we did a couple of, of projects together as well um, during those years. So that's sort of the story. Can you give me a bit more detail about um, that transition back into movement and back into finding, you know, your your confidence and your your comfort in your body again on oh stage? Oh my gosh, Allison, that is, it's been a journey, I can tell you. It's been sort of the journey of my life, I think, um, in terms of, it's it's been really defining. It was a huge struggle. Um, it really demands that you sort of go looking inside, you know, for do I want to spend the time and the energy to, to really work on, on healing my body? And sometimes that can involve changing really ingrained patterns of movement um, and trying out all different kinds of, of um, treatments and practitioners, and it demands a lot of patience. And it really is a test for your love of the art form, I think, because I, th I, think, I, I think you have to be a little bit irrational to be a dancer <laughs> because on so many levels it makes no sense. And especially when, um, when you're in the boat that I was in that where, where I had so many problems. Um, so, so yeah, I did a lot of, a lot of soul searching, a lot of, um, you know, getting sort of, feeling like I was a bit beat down and getting back up and trying something new and trying a different approach and looking for somebody else who could help me and reading books. And um, anyway, so I'd say it's not, there wasn't one day where I was injured and then suddenly I wasn't. It was sort of a gradual process. And um, I was lucky enough to have people who were willing to take me on um, despite the fact that I was still working through some issues. I guess most dancers are. Um, I think it, it's just the really lucky ones who, who never experience some form of injury or pain that, that stands in the way of, of them doing what they want to be doing. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm answering your question really, but I can say that uh, coming out now being on the other side of that whole long journey because this has basically been going on since 2005 so it was a solid 10 years of, of evolving through this process um, I just feel so happy to be on the other side to have, to have come through it and to still be with dance and still love it just as much as I always did if not more you know, it's like a relationship. When you when you go through things together, you come out and you're stronger. And and I feel that way. I feel that way with dance. And it's such a pleasure now to be able to move and express myself um, through dance without without that sort of that um, other element, the pain and the struggle that goes with that pain. You know. But I really didn't want this interview to be all about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll move on then. Okay. Uh, I would, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm very excited to start talking about Tara Luz uh, Nance, which is a company in Orleans uh, run by Annick Bouvret, 
who is uh, the artistic director of the company. She is. And yeah. uh, so, so of course, you're, you're one of the performers, one of the five performers yep. in the in the core company, which runs part-time, which is yes. uh, interesting. Can you describe that, that structure? Yeah, so we operate two days a week, uh, Thursdays and Fridays, um, basically from September until June. And that's sort of our standard rehearsal schedule. Of course, when there are, when we're leading up to some shows or there are events going on or when we're on tour, then it's, it's obviously more than two days a week. So we'll ramp it up during those times. But, but yeah, generally speaking, we're, we're two days a week. And I, I'd love you to just speak about the other members of the company. Um, our listeners will recognize Amelia Griffin, who was on yeah. our first episode for the Dark Horse Dance coverage yeah. as associate uh, director. Mm-hmm. So she's part of the company. Um, there's another um, young woman named Melissa Ahua, who is also a graduate of the School of Dance professional program. We all are, in fact. Um, Melissa is a lifelong dancer and just just lover of dance. She's a kick-ass tap dancer and teacher in town. Uh, so, and then aside from that, there's um, Alexandre Couture, is, um, has newly joined the company just in the past year. Um, I believe she just, she just finished the program here at the school a couple of years ago. So We um, also had the chance to talk to her oh, about did Dark you? Horse. Oh, good. Yeah, because yes. she performed a solo at, at Dark Horse. That's right. So, so yeah, it's nice that there's a, there's a fairly wide age range in the company, um, myself being the oldest at this point, which is sort of funny. Uh, but yeah, so Amelia and Alexandre and Melissa and me and um, Anik has, has really very recently taken on another dancer um, named Angela Jackson in town. And uh, she is a Pilates teacher. She and I used to teach Pilates together. Um, lovely dancer, mother of two, um, who, who sort of, I believe that she stepped away from her dance for, for many years and is, is sort of just coming back to it after, after raising her children and, and, you know, putting all of her energies into that. So those are the dancers. And then what you do is, is uh, incredible. So, and it creates works, um, from what I understand, a, a larger work every year. Yep. And um, you bring it to schools, to Franco-Ontarian children, and you teach workshops as well as present work. We do. So um, can you, in your words, explain this aspect of the company? Contemporary dance, in Ottawa anyway, uh, maybe elsewhere as well, but I'm from Ottawa and most of my work has been here, so I'll speak for Ottawa. It, it seems to be plagued by this, by this, notion of it being really inaccessible you know that it can it can be really abstract very sort of bizarre um um, and for for a lot of people that makes it it makes it seem exclusive so that if you don't know dance or if you don't quote unquote get it um, or if you haven't done it yourself or if you're too young then it's something that is beyond um what you're going to understand or what's going to be in your frame of reference. And basically, um, we see that as a problem at Taralouz, and I, I know other people do as well, but Anik uh, has sort of taken it upon herself to try to do some bushwhacking in that regard. 
and um, just just bring it to people who wouldn't otherwise have it and try to normalize contemporary dance a little bit. You know, the way people grow up um, listening to music and going to music shows, why don't we grow up seeing contemporary dance and having it around us and having it as part of our education, our artistic education, and in that way grow up um, being familiar with it and having it be really a normal thing to go to a dance show, just as normal as it would be to go see a live band. So um, I think that is the inspiration behind um, Anik's determination to get this work into the schools. So she's developed a really effective um, workshop, sort of a skeleton of a workshop with certain exercises that we do with them, improvisational games that we do with the kids, um, that culminates in a student performance. Uh, we also do perform for them, but it's very much about getting them moving as well. And um, yeah, so she's developed this workshop and we, we just, we take it around. We go to primarily Francophone schools in the region uh, because we are a, a Francophone company. So that's, that's sort of the story behind, behind the school outreach. And then that frame of mind also permeates the choreography that we do as the professional company. So the pieces that we're, that we're putting on stage are very much inspired by and, and related to what we're doing in the schools. Um, so as a result, the choreography is sort of, it's lighthearted, it's, it can be funny at times. Um, there's a lot of facial expression going on on stage um, where you're sort of classic modern dance. We, we joke in, in contemporary dance about the, the modern dance stare, you know, mm -hmm. where you're, you're staring off into the distance and everything is very serious. And don't get me wrong, I really appreciate that as well. And, and as a performer, it's equally satisfying. But uh, that's really not what we're doing at Taralouz. We're, we're putting uh, dance on stage that is accessible. It's it's easy to watch. It's um, and it uses a lot of everyday objects and imagery that is familiar to people, so it can kind of bring people in, both the younger audience members, the less experienced audience members. Um, we find even parents will sometimes come and bring their kids. The idea is they're bringing this, their kids to the dance show, and they end up discovering something themselves too, and finding that they really like it. So. Although the work uh, does come out of this educational outreach element of the company, it's not by any means strictly um, children's shows we're doing at all. Um, adults can come without their kids and, and really get something out of it as well. Great. Uh, I encourage everyone to go check out the Tara Luz Dance website. I uh, had the opportunity to look at one of the videos that's posted there, mm -hmm. and it had an excerpt from one of these workshops where the the kids were presenting their choreography mm -hmm. and their structured improvisation. And it was just so exciting to see. And I imagine there are plenty of inspiring moments, but if you could share with us maybe something that you ex you've experienced in a workshop um, with kids that was just like a, a very special moment. Oh, gosh. They're really quite numerous. Um, yeah, working with the, with the kids is so deeply satisfying. And... Well, I have so many examples running through my head, but I guess just generally speaking, you you see 
kids who start out really very much in their own sort of shell, uh, a little bit maybe nervous, maybe shy, maybe a little bit unsure about how they're going to move their bodies and and very much sort of looking around for approval, I would say, from either us or their their other their their friends or the other students. And over the course of the workshop, it's amazing to watch those kids blossom and really come out of the shell. And and it's happened more than once where that shy person on the first day winds up being really a leader in in either the choreography or just the process itself. Um, and Nick has this really, she's a mother of two young daughters, and I think it's also just her as a person, but she has this wonderful way of, of putting the kids at ease. And there's never any pressure to do something right, or even if you just freeze and you have no idea what to do, that's okay. She'll just move on to somebody else, and, and if you're ready, she'll come back to you. And she just has a really, as I say, just a wonderful way um, of, of leading these these events, and it brings the kids out of themselves. So that is a is just sort of a general thing that we see over and over again, and it's so lovely. Um, but I do remember also one time this little girl, I wish I could remember her name. Isn't that so sad that I forget? But anyway, she, um, so we had presented an excerpt of one of our pieces called Les Billes, which means marbles. So this piece involves marbles, and there's a lot of light, and there are, there are hula hoops that are lit up. And anyway, we have these fairly large marbles in our hands for uh, one part of the choreography. And so after that excerpt, we often come out after a show and sort of show the kids the props and let them play with them and let them experiment and sort of do what we were doing, you know. And this girl just ran right up to me and was, because I had the marbles in my hand and she was so excited. She's going, and she grabbed one and she's dancing around with it and um and she was imitating some of uh, some of our movements from the show and because we we sort of do this rhythmic thing where we bang them on the ground in this certain way and and she was doing that and and just waving her arms around with these marbles in her hand and she was just so happy and I turned to Nick and I said, I have to give her a marble. Can I please make it a gift to this lovely little person? And Nick, of course, said yes. So I did. I gave her a marble. I said, this is for you. You know, take it home and and just love it and have fun and keep dancing, you know. And she was so happy. It made her day. Anyway, I'm getting all sentimental about it. But, yeah, there's some pretty, pretty moving, moving moments. Dance is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. When you're training for for a performance that's for children, is there is there a big difference what you're doing in training for this company than you've done for previous uh, choreographers or even in school? That's a good question. Um, I would say the training is the same. If you're talking about taking class, technique class, dancing, keeping your body in in good shape, that that has not changed. But the approach to the choreography is definitely different. I know that uh, Nick has always in the front of her mind, she tries to put herself in the, in the mind of the youth. And, um, 
and approach the choreography in that way. Isn't this a lovely background sound? They're doing construction outside. <laughs> yeah, so things like um, attention span come up, for example. So, you know, a child is, is just not going to have the same attention span as an adult. Um, so, so as a result, the piece often ends up being a series of vignettes. Although, at the same time, it's very important, and Anik is always saying this, it's very important not to condescend a younger audience and recognize that they can handle even fairly, let's say, sad or reflective or darker um, sections of a piece, but maybe it's just better that those, those sections aren't too long, you know? So it's not that, it's not that we have to keep, keep everything fun and loud and happy all the time, but to just be aware of the pacing of a show. Um, there's, we do a lot of work on our, on our faces, um, as I alluded to before. I have learned a lot. I feel like I've grown a lot as a performer in that respect. Um, learning how to use how to use my face and my eyes and um, and yeah, smiling sometimes or or just just using my face differently than I have in other choreography uh, to to bring the kids in, you know. And um, it's just so important to be expressive in that way. And I guess the other thing that's, that's different about this, about the work we do at Taraluz is that uh, we use objects as, again, I, I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, so in every piece, there is a central object which we use and manipulate and transform into different images and um, which become part of the set. So it's, and that is... I think that Anik would maybe, uh, well, I guess she should speak for herself on that, but I don't know if that has anything to do necessarily directly with the fact that we're performing for children. I think it's just, it opens doors to new, new movements and new ways of being on stage. So one piece, as I mentioned, uses marbles. Another one uh, that we did a few years ago called uh, Les Souliers d'Angélie uses shoes in many different ways. Um, uh, this one that we are working on now uses uh, sticks. It's called Les Bâtons. Uh, so they're, they're musical sticks. So you can use them as instruments. If you bang them on things, each, each stick makes a different note. But um, again, in the piece, we use them in, in many, many different ways. So, and you can see those music sticks in action on this video that's on the website as well. Great. And yeah, maybe I can take this opportunity to mention the fact that we have some shows coming up, a series of shows in October out in Orleans at the Shankman Art Center. Uh, we're the resident company there. Uh, we have the privilege of working in that space. There's a beautiful dance studio and a couple of really lovely theaters. Um, it's a wonderful facility. So... So yeah, we have four days of shows, two of which are for students. Busloads of kids are going to come. We're going to fill the room up with students and, and present our piece to them. And then we also have shows open to the general public. Um, so, and it's called Les Batons, and you can go to the Taralouz Dance website to, um, to check that out if you're interested. Great. So as this is a part-time company, uh, what else does Amanda Bond do with her time? 
Well, Amanda Bond is a Pilates instructor as well. I worked at studios in town for many years and in the past couple of years have started working out of my home independently, which is wonderful. So I enjoy that. I'm also in university right now, part-time, gone back to school. So I'm studying cognitive science at Carleton. Totally interesting. And in fact, I'm going to be doing a thesis um, at the end of this degree, and my plan is to bridge it with my dance life and and somehow look at the the memory or or ability for memory of sequences of movements in dancers. So I'm going to run an experiment because it's a science degree. So we'll see how that all all comes together. But that's the intention anyway. Um, that's fantastic. It is. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's pretty satisfying to be, to be uh, nourishing the intellectual side of my life as well. Um, I said before that I would be lost if I wasn't doing something creative, but there's also a, there's also a student in me, you know? I like to learn and, and use my, my intellect in, a, in other ways too. So. And everything complements everything else, I find. It's important to have balance in life, as we all strive for and hear a lot. So, so yeah. Yeah, having this having the university is is good right now. And I'm still I'm still with the band. We play much less often than we used to, but I'm currently working on a house concert um for sometime in the fall out in Russell, just about an hour away from Ottawa. So there's a lovely venue there called A Few Acres Farm and uh, it's a couple and they live on this small farm and they host house concerts and it's just such a beautiful environment to play in and um it's really a, a nice way to spend your time. They do it on mostly Sunday afternoons, I think also Saturday evenings sometimes. So hopefully that will come together. And yeah, that's kind of, those are my projects. Fabulous. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any last words on, on dance on your way out? Oh gosh. I don't know if I do. Um, it's just, well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I do. I guess I just want people out there to continue supporting dance. It's, it's such an important art form, and um, I think it gets a little bit overlooked sometimes by, by even us in the arts community. So, and if we're not nourishing and feeding it, then, then how can we expect other people to? So maybe I'll just say that. And love the name of the podcast, Dirty Feet Podcast, because I, I'm very proud of the fact that I walk around 90% of the time with really dirty feet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Amanda Bond. <laughs> it was really fun. You've been listening to Dirty Feet. I'm Alison Burns with a few thank yous. First to Paula Flalo and the No More Radio Network, also to Mainline Theatre and Montreal Improv Theatre, and to all present and past team members who can be found on our website, dirtyfeetpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet. 
Stay tuned for a quick preview of the upcoming episode where we delve deeper into the Tagalouz Dance Company and speak with Anik Bouvre. interest is there and it's for me very it's a very exciting time for contemporary dance I think for those francophone uh, communities in Ontario um, we have presenters that have never presented dance that are now interested that are now thinking okay yeah maybe this is doable Because dance is the art of the body. So, yes, of course, we can speak about it, we can in- intellectualize it. But when someone has an experience in movement, their information about the art form is different. You know, they've lived something in their body. So, when they're going to go to a performance and watch a dance performance, yes, their experience, that experience will inform the way they look at that work. 